Hello and welcome to The Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. Hi, my name is Judson. I'm a good and worthwhile person worthy of recovery and recovering today from my sex addiction. And, uh, and just in case anybody's wondering, everything Lee said about himself is true. Um, and and he rem- you know he reminded me because um, I came in about nine months after Lee did, and I was amazed that anyone could stay sober for nine months. That was an absolute eternity. And actually, back then it was an eternity because uh, I think Harvey had two and a half years, and uh, and Gene had a couple years or something like that. But anyway, um, and I. I knew, because I was trying to call Lee a couple, three times a day, and I knew of this behavior. And one time about uh, probably six, seven years ago, I called up Lee and I got him at about quarter to six or quarter after six. And I uh, I said, hey, Lee, how you doing? You know, so-and-so, how, you know, what are you up to? He said, oh, I'm just sitting here reading the paper. And I almost dropped the phone. I said, you've got time to sit and read the paper, you know, because I was so used to his... Anyway. Um, so what I could not do um, by myself, that's what uh, the topic is. And uh, just a couple of things that, that jumped out at me, you know, the obvious ones. I couldn't stop acting out. I couldn't know what was good for me and uh, and I couldn't get well and I tried to get well I had tried really uh, the best way I knew how I'd gone to the counselors I'd gone to Al-Anon I'd gone to ACOA I'd brought up my sexual acting out with the therapist of my mother's group when she went to treatment for alcoholism in 1978 and uh, and I brought it up with him and I said, you know. Normal. He said, as a matter of fact, sometimes when I leave the office after a tough, stressful day, I'll rent a couple pornographic videos just to take care of the stress. <laughs> so uh, evidently I was speaking to someone who was unenlightened. But... Uh, but I tried really hard to get well, and I couldn't do it. And I was thinking, just in this room of sexaholics, there are probably roughly 400 people. And on average, as I've talked to people over the years, it seems like everybody has tried to get well for about 20 years, on average, some longer. some. So that's 8,000 years of experience in this room of trying to get well from this disease and being unable to do it until coming to a place like this. You know, I mean, if there's a better way out there, somebody probably would have found it, an easier, softer way. Um, 
And if anybody knows of an easier, softer way, please see me after the meeting. Um, so there's about uh, there's three things that that came that kind of jumped out to me um, while I was thinking about it. Three main things I was unable to do for myself. Um, the first was perceive things correctly. Unable to perceive things correctly. The second was make a correct decision as to what to do um, based on a given set of circumstances or a situation. The third thing was to take a right action even when I knew what it was I should do. In many cases, I was unable to do that. Um, And I want to talk about each one of those things, maybe touch a little bit on why I think it happened and then what the solution is for those, at least in my mind. The first thing is perceiving things correctly. I was, uh, I could not perceive things correctly. And I was thinking about this, what, would it, what it was like, and I was reminded of a cartoon I had seen of Sylvester and Tweety. A lot of people remember Sylvester and Tweety. Tweety Bird is a little yellow canary that Sylvester's always trying to catch and eat, and Granny's always beating Sylvester over the head to get the canary back and stuff. Um, it was one episode, as I remember it, where uh, Granny had caught Sylvester going after Tweety a couple times. So she sat on her rocker in front of Tweety's cage so she could make sure that he was safe, guarding him. And after a little while, she fell asleep. And Sylvester came over with a paintbrush. And quick as a good artist is, he drew, he, he painted a picture of Tweety Bird on each of her glasses' lenses. And then he went and reached in the cage and got Tweety and swallowed him. And she woke up, and she looked at the cage, and there was Tweety Bird. So, in her, I mean, the reality was, Tweety was gone. He was history. But her perception of reality was that everything was fine. Because of the distortion in her lenses. Because of what was put on her lenses. And I believe what was put on my lenses, whether it was genetic or whether it was the home environment I grew up in, through those lenses, I misperceive stuff around me all the time. And uh, I'll give you a couple examples. Uh, This is a typical example. A sexaholic goes into a grocery store or some other store and is, is getting his stuff and then goes and checks out. And the checkout person says, hi, how are you? How are you doing today? So what did the checkout person say in a friendly way? Smiled and said, hi, how are you? How are you doing today? What does a sexaholic often hear? (laughs) Hi, I love you. Let's go have sex. You know? I mean, it's the lenses. You know, I mean, it's just, it's, it's baffling. But through those lenses, that's what is truly perceived. Uh, another one is my boss had tickets to the Tennessee Titans professional football team downtown. And whoever was supposed to use the tickets, a customer or whatever, didn't use them. It was Friday afternoon. The tickets were left over. He came down to my work area to give them to me, and I wasn't there. So he put a note on my uh, desk that said, Judson, please see me, Mike. Okay, the note from the boss, please see me, Mike. Okay, so he just went, what did I perceive? 
you slime bag. We have finally found out who you are and what you're really like inside. You know? You're fired. You're out of here. Come up to my office and get your pink slip now. You're out of here. That's my perception, my shame. That Those are the lenses through which I, I walk around. Another one, uh, this happened to me last year ago in the fall. <clears throat> I came home one day and my wife said, Honey, you know, if, if you could, it'd be help if instead of leaving your cereal bowl in the sink in the morning, if you just stick it in the dishwasher, it'd be easier and save me some trouble. Okay. So she said, if, you know, if you don't mind, please, instead of putting the cereal bowl in the sink, please put it in the dishwasher. What did I hear? What did I perceive? You idiot. How could you be so stupid? That is a stupid... And I'm sick and tired of you being so stupid. This is the last straw. Matter of fact, I'm going to get divorced. Because... And, and this is the divorce that you knew was always coming anyway. I'm out of here, and you're abandoned. You know, that's what I perceive. So obviously, I don't react very well to that kind of thing. So my perception is skewed of the whole world. And, and I go through, whether it's shame or anger or fear or whatever, and I could not fix that for myself been unable to fix that, unable to even see it. Um, the solution, I think, is the sponsor and other people in the program, co-sponsors, phone calls, talking with anybody who has the outside of you. I talk to people on the phone all the time, um, particularly at work. Whenever I get a note now that says, please see me, I pick up the phone. Or whenever I feel my teeth re start to react because I get angry, so I clench my jaw about my wife, so I, I get on the phone with somebody. Um, because something may appear, or I may perceive that it's really scary, but in reality it might not be a threat to me. That's where Lee's talking about the uh, the, the 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 cowardly lion. Because I get terrified of a lot of things, which really are of no threat to me, but they feel like, and doing them feel like I'm going to die. But it's not real. And then there are other situations where. Um, my perception is this is completely safe. There's no problem. But in reality, there is a threat there. An example might be a uh, somebody newly in recovery who's maybe got oh, four, four to five months and is relaxed and excited and thinks they're going to go home for a two-week vacation at Christmas and not have any triggers. You know, go visit their parents and stuff like that. Anyway. Um, so... Perceive things correctly, unable to do that. Make a, make a correct decision as to what to do in given circumstances and situation. So, unable to make a correct decision as to what to do in a given circumstance situation. One example for me is being tired Sunday afternoon. Um, I'm tired, often on Sunday afternoon. It's a long week. Then um, maybe stayed up a little bit later on Friday or Saturday night. Not going to the meeting until the evening. Got the afternoon free. I'm tired, um, sleepy. What would a logical person do? Go take a nap. So what does my brain suggest that I should do? Go have sex. 
I mean, it, it does. It says, I know that I need to take a nap on Sunday afternoon when my brain says, oh, wouldn't it be nice to have sex? Because it, it's just that the, the, the brain is, is not connected. Another example I'll give you is, uh, it doesn't always have to be around disease, around sex, but another example is uh, somebody who was in our group um, one night and talked for about five or ten minutes about how great this program was, how wonderful, how it's the most important thing in his life, the most valuable thing in his life, has saved his marriage, has saved his job, has saved his life, his relationship with his kids. Nothing is more valuable. It's priceless. And he is really worried because next week he's going on a trip to the Bahamas for a week and it's too expensive to call long distance back to Nashville during that week. <laughs> this is the most priceless, important thing in my life. But it's too expensive to make, you know, I mean, you could probably talk an hour a day for $400 during the week. And, but that's the kind of thinking in the brain. And uh, another one which is really my favorite I don't think this person is here tonight. Sponsy, who would drive an hour and a half. Uh, I, I, well, he might be. He'll come talk to me after the meeting. <laughs> but he would he would drive an hour and a half to two meetings a week, th- Monday and Thursday nights, so an hour and a half one way, an hour and a half another way, back. And he'd come two meetings a week, Monday and Thursday. And I was talking to him on the phone one time, and I said I hadn't seen you in a, you know in a little while. And I I just wondered what's up, you know, what's going on. He said, Well, I, I've had to cut back on my meetings. I said, Oh, really? How come? Well, I was, I was getting too many speeding tickets. <laughs> See, follow the logic here of the psychology brain, okay? I was getting too many speeding tickets, so I should cut back on my meetings. That'll solve the problem. <laughs> yeah. Makes sense to me, right? It, don't don't consider slowing down a little bit. No, that's not an option. But, uh, which is why, when, especially for, for newcomers, people in the first, you know, six, eight months, whatever it is, um, I like what Harvey and others say, we are not qualified to think. <laughs> Just not qualified. And I think it's true even in 10 years sobriety. I'm not qualified to think. If it relates to me, if the situation relating to me, and I learned this from a guy in treatment who used to say, Anyone out of the African, Bush, or Australian uh, backlands could look at a given situation in my life and make a better decision as to what to do than I could. <laughs> I could stop somebody on the street and say, what should I do? And they'd be better. Um, you know, I truly believe the brain is broken. And I don't think it's about being bad. It's just having the diseased mind. And I think accepting that and understanding and looking at it, I'm not bad. I just have a few wires crossed up here. Um, then that enables me to go after the solution, which is to call the sponsor or co-sponsor or counselor or even sponsee or whoever and get an outside perspective on this situation. Because when I look at it, my perception is wrong and my decision making is, is faulty. And I'm not bad. I'm just sick. But the solution is, um, when I do what is suggested outside, then it's uh, often the results are a lot better. 
Um, the last piece um, is taking the right action, unable to take the right action, given it when I know what it is. Um, for instance, I spent two and a half years in this program. Actually, really got more after after I was two years sober and I got married. Um, and the, the first half year of my marriage, I, my wife liked to watch TV programs from nine to ten. You know, after her whatever the adventure kind of stuff is and all police shows and all that. And uh, being newly married, I wanted to do things that she wanted to do with her, and I would try to sit down and watch through them. And when uh, a, a suggestive scene would come on, I was unable to look away and unable to close my eyes. And uh, and I would talk to Harvey about it, and I'd call him, and uh, you know, and he by this point had five years sobriety and was you know was talking about getting up and leaving the room or closing your eyes or whatever. And I was completely unable to do that. I found for me, um, and it's often still the case, even if it's a brief commercial, if the ray of light leaves the TV and hits my eyeball, then it's as if I have toothpicks holding open my eyelids. I can't. As soon as the, as soon as the beam hits me, I'm frozen. And uh, so even though I know what is the right thing that I think I should do, I'm unable to do it in many of those cases. And I'm sure we, you know, there's there's lots of uh, lots of examples that, that we could come up with that. I think that. Uh, it's just about being powerless and having a disease. And for me, um, the solution to that one is to be willing to let go absolutely. Um, and, and, and I think that God is doing for me what I'm unable to do for myself when I'm willing to let go absolutely. And for me, in a lot of those situations, that means willing to let go of it completely and avoid the situation or not go in the situation. As soon as I told my wife that I was unable to watch those shows with her from 9 to 10. Um, I didn't have any problem with the suggestive scenes because I didn't sit down to watch those TV shows. Um, another example of that would be um, people you know, struggling with looking at pornography in a convenience store. Well, if I'm willing to never go in a convenience store, I don't have that. Another example was willing to not have a TV. Um, I've talked about willing to have to call a hotel before a business trip and saying, will you take the hotel away, take the TV out of the room when I come and finding one that will. And they say, yes, we will I'll say, OK, and I get there and then I have to ensure that they take it out. But in all the time, every time I have done that, never once have I struggled with seeing something on TV. This is not an issue. <laughs> The TV's not there. And uh, today it's different. I think God is able, I called Lee you know, three or four years ago, and I said, you know, I'm going on the trip, and um, should I get the TV out of the room? You know, it's been X, X, X. There's reasons, you know, that, that really it wasn't an issue. And he said, stay in the hotel room, and if it's a problem, give me a call. You know, it's not a problem anymore. I go in. I move the remote. It's not an issue anymore. And I think it only becomes that way when we are willing to let go absolutely for a certain period of time. I think that's the key. Um, so, so those are the things for me what I could not do for myself. Perceive things correctly. 
um, unable to make a correct decision as to what to do and unable to take the right action. And I think the solutions are um, realizing that I can't do it. And as soon as I realize that I can't do it and let it go and call a sponsor and turn it over to someone else, then I can perceive things correctly through them and I can get the right decision of God speaking through them and I can know the right thing to do. So uh, anyway, that's all. Thanks. I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.